This is episode nine on Mindset with DJ Cut Corners. The thing is, is that it's like, you just have to make sure that at the end of the day, when you, when you finish work, you know, you, you don't lose sight of your goal, your personal goals, you know, and it's important to have like a bunch of different things, you know, and I, and I, I think it's just, you need to figure out how much you can commit. What is up? This is DJ Bounce. We are back with another episode of On Mindset. On this episode, my guest is DJ Cut Corners, Mr. Matt Perry. I sat down with Matt at the Serato headquarters office in uh, downtown Los Angeles. We kicked off the interview exploring Matt's musical background and dived into his collective called Live Evil that he has with DJ Marvel. Really cool project. I advise anybody to get on the YouTube Check out DJ Cut Corners, Live Evil, his crew, The Freshest. Really innovative, real creative um, content there. Matt takes on the role of artist relations at Serato, and we kind of dive into his relationship of how he got started, the history of Serato. Uh, we discuss some things that some people or a lot of people might not know about Serato. Really good stuff, really good tips, a lot of great information. So let's just get into it. This is my conversation with DJ Cut Corners on mindset do you, any, any concerns about swear words or anything like that no fuck no no <laughs> no have at it dude. shit that's great that's, that's fucking <laughs> awesome, fucking awesome man. yeah man uh okay matt corners dj cut corners yeah matt yeah. matt aka yeah. dj cut corners right <laughs> yeah. on. welcome man thanks for uh taking the time out thank you for yeah, having me Bounce. for sure for sure uh so you you live in vancouver at the moment right yeah but born where i was born in christchurch new zealand okay so new zealand yeah right on and then uh, moved to Vancouver when I was 18. Okay. Well, actually, sorry. I moved to Canada when I was 18. I didn't move to Vancouver. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You mentioned the Montreal, I moved to uh, Montreal. journey. Yeah. So, but you don't speak French. I don't. Well, in petit pas. Right on. So, so one thing that, that all people that don't speak French know how to say, I don't really. Just right. a little bit. Just a little bit. So what is your, obviously you're a DJ, but your, your musical background, uh, you play instruments. Um, how long have you been doing that? And what's your instrument weapon of choice? Like, how, where did that start? Well, I'm I'm a bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass line is like the fundamental, uh, the fundament, fundamental thing of any music I like is always kind of like bass strong bass line. Gotcha. And then I also played piano when like when I was five and stuff. Okay. So harmony, those are like the two things that I I really care about. Right on. Um, so yeah, th- that was the beginning of like music for me. And then um, I went to school for jazz actually when I was sixteen. Oh wow. Um, and then I moved to <laughs> to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And you continued your uh, musical uh, journey, if you will. Yeah, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't start, I stopped studying um, right. like, you know, jazz music, uh, you know, as far as the technical side of it. Okay. But I continue to buy it and, and, and embrace it and, you know, uh, and integrate or interact with it in a different way. I, I only ask that because a lot of times, often uh, people, they, you know, they grow up learning piano or whatever, and then they kind of put it aside, you know, leave it alone. But you obviously ran with it enjoyed it and continued to learn yeah i mean piano is like one of those things that like it's the most um it, it's the most straightforward instrument because it's there in front of you all the keys are right. there so you see them and and you know it's it's the one kind of instrument where you, well, it's like an acoustic guitar but it's like you can play it and you can really play a full song you know you don't even have to sing you can just play the melody it's so it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful instruments. You mentioned earlier about the bass-driven music that you like. So I've heard that 
drums or maybe the heartbeat of the music. Yeah. Right. What What would you, in that sense, what would you call the the bass? Well, the bass is the glue. The glue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's like you like I don't know like uh, I'm just gonna throw this out here, but like there's a band called ESG. It's like a post punk band. You know, that was sampled. They had that song Moody and um, uh, what's that big one that everyone that Biggie sampled and shit. Um, spaced out or something. Uh, it's the one anyways it's got the crazy horn sound or whatever and it's a b-boy break beat and everything and it's just drums and bass and like noise oh. there's no guitars it's just bass and drums and their whole shtick was like dr bass drums some yelling and some other percussion noises that was like their whole sound and it's like that's all you need to have a hot dope dance song yeah that's all you need yeah in that's my awesome. opinion. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Mastercraft. That yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Right? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, so Live Evil is a, is a, uh, a project you have with DJ Marvel. Is that yep, correct? That's right. I, I want to get into like the start of like kind of like how you work together and, and the start of that uh, collaboration. But uh, it, it's crazy. Like I, I've seen a lot of y'all's uh, work, um, the video projects you have online and everything. And, and what I love, it's like um, it's a routine, right? It's rehearsed, obviously, but it's, it's like a DJ sit. So like yeah, to me, it seems like I never know where it's going, you know. And I think that's really cool. Like um, from one segment, it's a baseline to a vocal phrase to a melody uh, to a live blend, and then I just never know where it goes, and then it just keeps flowing. And it's just like really super dope, man. I, I really like what you what y'all do. Thank you. Um, talk a little bit about that, and then how um, Live Evil uh, was created. Came to be, yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah. So the freshest is just really was just a, a bunch of us that all we we played basketball and we we, we liked clothes and we a bunch of us worked at like sneaker stores and shit and rec record stores actually. Um, Rico and I both worked at a record store in Vancouver called Beat Street Records. Uh, Paul Devro of Mad Decent worked there also. Vaughn Oliver of uh, Oliver U Turn he worked there also. It's like a very uh, it's like a pretty core store for Vancouver actually. Um, and anyone who lives in Vancouver or has been through Vancouver and Clicks Records would know that. Um, and yeah, it's a very important uh, store. And um, and then yeah, so we also we all we all knew each other through that and just shopping and stuff and and nightclub stuff. And we all played rap music and liked you know a certain style of DJing. You know, it was like the we uh, it was around the DJ AM era where we all kind of got together and we all shared that same like kind of openness to like playing rap music and other genres and approaching it and like kind of like a you know like a fan of dj culture and a fan of all those different kind of cultural things of of our generation and um and you know we wanted to wear bright clothes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then um so we started a couple nights and stuff and then we started doing mixtapes and we wanted to do a podcast and actually we we're going to be doing a, a little radio show in uh in vancouver soon again and we still do stuff we play gigs we did like a bunch of gigs in the city over the summer and um and we're just friends, and uh, we did a, we did a Red Bull three style showcase set, and we had to we were like oh we got to we got to do something impressive for this we better like you know it's the three style it's like pushing the whole genre of or the whole culture forward so we we don't want to like go up there and just DJ we want to go up there and flex mm -hmm. so um, I think Mike Mike had a keyboard there and I, and I was saying earlier I played I know how to play instruments and so I was like oh let me just fuck around with this and. And I was playing like the bass line to a Little Dragon um, subtract song, you know, the bass line up for Wildfire or whatever. And it was like, everyone's like, Mike was like, oh, let me, we should do something with this. We should really like, you know, we should, we could do, you know, you can do this and I can DJ. And I was like, yeah, was, okay, sure. I was like, I don't know if, I don't know, if, I don't know how that's going to work, man. But 
But we did. We got a set together, and I actually didn't use the keyboard at all. We just got a cool set together for that showcase, and then um, it's hard getting four people to work together all the time. And you know, and we're all individuals as well. We all have our own passions, and we all have our own kind of drive to do our own thing. So um, Mike and I just kind of, you know, Mike's actually you know, big credit to Mike. Mike's really a really good at person at keeping relationships going, and um, you know, it's it's. DJing is a quite an individualistic uh, career, you know, like it, a lot of the time you're playing by yourself and you can really be like going for just you and just going after what you want or whatever. And like, I want to like be the star or I want to like kind of be the thing or whatever. But Mike's really good at sharing and like keeping everyone together and, and like being a team, like keeping, he's got a team mentality and, and he really knows like what his strengths are and, and how to partner up with other people. And I think that's what Mike and I have. I mean, we all have it in the in the crew, and we all know our strengths and weaknesses. But um, Mike was like, "This is something that you know he thinks we can do," and I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense. Like, we can totally do this." And out of that, really, just we just we, we just started jamming on. Um, I just started figuring out songs, bass lines, like popular songs, you know, like you know uh, Kanye West, Jay Z stuff, and Wiz Khalifa things. And and he was like, he'd suggest songs, and I could figure them out pretty quickly because uh, I have the musical background. And, then we just started sequencing like the first one we did, which did really well on YouTube. And, you know, I mean, I guess like 50,000 views. It was pretty good for what we thought. We didn't, we didn't expect it to do anything, but we just did it because we love DJing and, and we filmed it. And, and Mike Rock from Toronto filmed it. He's a DJ too, actually. And it was just like, oh, this is cool. And we started getting like bookings. And then we were like, oh, we should make beats. And so we just, yeah, we just kind of, gone in that trajectory where like we can perform remixes we can do them live we can break things down and you know like you know we're not trying to uh revolutionize or wow people that much in the sense it's not like a flex like oh look how great we are it's more like this is something that's that you can do that's different and and we're quite proud of the fact that it's not your average thing it's not you know it's not like we're reinventing chirps or you know right. creating new scratches or anything or I'm not trying to flex on bass lines or anything. It's just, it's just like, hey man, can you rock to this at a club? And is it different from what everyone else is doing? Is, it, is this our unique thing? And, right. and that's really our focus, you know? That's awesome because, uh, you know, it's, it's funny when I, when I first, uh, you know, uh, learned of y'all's uh, collective and your project and everything. It honestly, like, I know you're saying you're not, you know, uh, so much flexing and, and, but having a good time exploring music and performing it and everything. But it, it, it almost reminded me of the executioners though. Like, you know, oh, I mean, right. these guys, I mean, you're saying flex. I mean, these, these guys were doing it. Those you know what I mean? Flex. But, uh, you know, like from a, uh, I, I definitely see like from the, the production standpoint and then uh, just how it's all pieced together. It's super dope, man. So uh, uh, major props to what y'all got going on, man. Really cool. Yeah, it's a huge compliment. I mean, Expressions was like, uh, was I, I bought that CD in New Zealand when I lived it. It was before I moved to Canada. I bought it. It was like very expensive because it was an import. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I bought. Actually, that's right. My friend got it imported in, and I bought it off him, and I had to pay him like extra to buy extra. it. Like, he totally. Yeah. How often are y'all working on routines and preparing? Like, and what's y'all's, uh, you guys' collaboration process like? Well, we, um, you know, Mike. That's what I was saying again. He's really good at like texting and like, okay. just checking in and like, hey man, what's going on? Have you, you know, what do you think about this? Is, is this an idea or whatever? And um, so yeah, we talk all the time. Like, as he's like definitely one of my closest uh, friends and. And uh, and that's what really makes it work is like uh, you know like like anyone you know we get we get frustrated with each other but at the, at the end of the day he's a real friend and right. and, and he's always there and um, and 
yeah, I think we check in like every day or every other day and and then every week sometimes we'll get together. And we play a night on Sundays together, so we, we end up seeing each other yeah. by necessity. Got you. <laughs> One okay. way or another. So it's just an ongoing process like yeah. via text or ideas and yeah. then obviously you have a, a party y'all do. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so let's uh, jump a little bit into, I mean, we're conducting this interview at Serato, yeah, right? Downtown thanks. Los Angeles. Thanks, Serato. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I kind of want to explore a little bit your start with, um, you know, your career with Serato. Um, how did you make that initial connect or that, how was that relationship developed between yourself and the brand? Yeah, my title is um, Serato. Uh, it's not Serato at all, actually. <laughs> it's Artist Relations Manager for Serato. Uh, that sounds cool, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I came in like right at like entry level, you know, like just like anyone would at a company. Um, I was like in tech support. Okay. Um, my cousin was uh, worked there, and uh, growing up in New Zealand, I was uh, I I grew up with a lot of people that worked there actually, just by circumstance. Um, so like uh, I was I used to skateboard with this guy Michael Redwood. Michael Redwood's like one of the head product guys, um, and he he came in through tech support too. Like we were. You know, we grew up in the same neighborhood, and then Nick McLaren, who you guys may be familiar with if you've watched any of like the streams that we do from the, he's like the guy that, he's like kind of a tall guy, and he he's the he's the voice of Serato. He's like the he's the head of strategy, like he's like top dog. So, but well, I mean, he's, he's not the CEO, but he's like he, he he's a he's a very important person at Serato, and um, he's also an incredible beat maker. He makes he's a great DJ. He's yeah, he's dope dude. Uh, but yeah, I knew him as well uh, through him DJing. I didn't really DJ like he was like a champ. You know, he's like winning ITF shit in New Zealand back in the day, and uh, he used to work at a skateboard shop. So a lot of skateboarding kind of connections, really. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I could talk about the skateboarding music that we think we did already the other day. Yeah. But, but you know, um, yeah, I used to skateboard, and and we used to like rap music and you know that culture. And and then uh, when I moved away, I don't think they expected to see me again. I didn't expect to come back. But um, my cousin, who was at there at the time, he was like, hey, man, there's a job on Facebook. He just posted on Facebook for everybody. And I was like, yeah, this is dope. This is, this is a company I really respect. Right. Um, and uh, I, I'm a fan of. And I worked in a music store at the time, so I had a bit of, like, training. And, like, you know, I knew what I, knew what I was talking about. And, and I think uh, that coupled with, like, just having kind of, like, a DJ career. Maybe, I don't know if I could call it a career, but, you know, being an active part of the DJ community in Canada, uh, it was beneficial for Serato and other ways too. So when I moved to New Zealand to work as tech support, which was quite a big move and for not a lot of money, um, not, not no disrespect, <laughs> right, right. but you know it was like a, I definitely was a sacrifice. And then um, you know because you, you make good money as a DJ. Like when you when if if you're a DJ and you all of a sudden stop DJing, like it's a lot of money out of your pockets, even if it's not your primary source of income. You're like, whoa! Where did that like two hundred dollars go every other every you know, every other week or week or whatever? You know, it's two hundred dollars is a lot of money, man. Like, and I mean, for a while there, that's all you needed, you know. But um, anyways, look, I'm getting <laughs> off the point. Uh, I just realized that there wasn't a lot of DJ money, um, and I also sacrificed a lot of my relationships with my friends um, by moving to New Zealand. So actually, I left Serato. Hmm. I quit, um, and then um, when I left to move back to Canada, though, I was like, before I left, I was like, hey guys. If there's ever a way that I could work for Serato in Canada, I'm telling you guys, I got a good, I got a pitch for you, and and I did. I totally pitched them on it, and then I just started doing tech support in Canada, uh, and there was a couple opportunities. Then I'd, I'd always, I was always inter- introducing Serato to artists that I knew through the DJ circuit that I 
No, because I'd, I'd tour it around a bit and stuff. So yeah, that, I, does that does it make does, yeah, does that yeah, kind of yeah. answer your question? There's a lot of DJs, right? I'm a DJ. We all DJ, right? So mm. it's kind of like if we were all runners, right? And then like one day you just become the guy who works with Nike and like, you know what I mean? Like, it's oh, kind of yeah. like that, like, you know, to be like just an everyday DJ. And then now you're like with Serato, like, I mean, a lot of may, people may argue, but Serato's, it is an industry standard. I mean, every DJ, you could use a Serato. So uh, that's why I kind of want to stress the, um, or explore how your relationship with that developed because, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, I think that's a really important story is like, I think, um, I think for a lot of DJs, and I think this goes back to kind of what I was saying with like, you know, that DJ money or if it being your primary occupation or not, it's it's definitely a challenge as a DJ to go, hey, am I really like committed to this? And this is going to be all I do and the, my only source of income? Like that's a huge sacrifice, a huge commitment to make. And a lot of people are going to doubt you, right? Um, and, 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 you know, I was like that dude that was like, no way, I don't, I'm never going to have, a, I'm never going to have a plan B. I was like militant. But at, at some point I was like, you know what, man, like, if I don't have, I don't need a plan B necessarily, but I need to put money away. I need to save. I need to like make plans for my future and think about like who, who I'm being accountable to. Cause it's not just me. I need to consider about putting food in my belly and roof over my head. There's going to be other people in my life. And I think there's a maturity that comes in, you know, when you have a special relationship with somebody in your life and you, you kind of learn like as a man that it's important to be able to provide for other people. And, and that, that's, that's a really big step. And you know, how can you do that? and be a DJ yeah. and that's not easy man like it doesn't matter where you are in the world and the, that's a huge privilege to be able to get paid to play music um, and then you know like I had a job in a music store and I would work till 3 a.m. at the night and then I'd show up there for 9 30 the next morning you know and that's like a lot of people right I know that a lot of people do that and that's a great way to, to survive that's a great way to, to save money it's a great way to it's a great hustle like um, a lot of people have two jobs and I think that's that's going to be a more and more of a reality for people and the next generation like as the gap between rich and poor develops you know and things like that we see it all the time but um you know it's um it's important to save money it's important to have a job and those jobs that you choose to do on the side or those that supplement your your dj income or your goals as a dj it's really important i think to like go oh how is this going to like let me parlay that to get me a little hit in another way and that's why I worked at like a shit, well, it wasn't a shit music store, but I don't want to throw it like under the bus like that, but it wasn't like my ideal goal. Like, um, so yeah, but I was like, man, if I can work in this job, I want to have like, a, like on my resume, it's going to say, look, I did this much time here, five years, three years, two years, whatever. It proves that I'm employable, like I'm responsible and you can trust me to do something. Um, and then uh, added benefits was I, you know, had like dental and health and cool stuff like that so it, you know yeah it was really good um it wasn't a lot of money but it was really good and and uh and you know when i was there it, didn't, it was not like i had to do that much you know i just had to sell stuff and it wasn't like that went on my on my back too hard um and and then i learned all this tech support stuff and so when i applied for a job at serato they were like oh so do you know about you know like how to what drivers are do you know what you know like um what firmware is you know like these things and or how computers work like getting a job at Apple is a great job because if you know how like 90% of computers work, <laughs> you're employable, man. Yeah. Like you got, you got a future, you know? And, and I, <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And I think like we, gotta, we all got to think like that. We all got to go, you know what, man? Maybe if, you know, if I'm not just DJing or for whatever reason, if something happens and I, you know, I lose my hand and I can't DJ anymore or something, you know, like what am I going to do? Like 
it's not really a plan B. It's just like, what else do I like? You know, you know, if it's if you like cooking food, you're gonna figure that out eventually. You know. Yeah, got you. And from tech support to now, how long you've been with Serato? Five years. Five years. Nice. And still to this day, like I'm doing tech support, <laughs> one way or another. It's like you're, you know, even if it's if you if it's your friend or it's a top tier artist, it's still like you can you're really offering people something if you know something. So tech support. I mean, I know. Briefly, you mentioned you did marketing. What other kind of things are you doing for Serato? Well, the the the, the catch word, the catchphrase, CRM, client or client or customer relate. What is it actually? I don't even know what it is. No, it's customer <laughs> relations management. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's like um, yeah, we work with the. I work in artist relations, so my job is you know making sure the relationship between the company and the artist and the artist is is you know strong. Um, and you don't just do that by giving people a free shit. Like, right. uh, to, to create a relationship, to create a, a bond and a trust between you, know, you and, and, and as a representative of a company and that person. And they, and they know that. Like, every artist that's successful knows that. Like, everybody knows that they, they always will work with the same booking people or they'll trust uh, this person in this city because they know what's up and they've got that, your interest. You know? Right. And Serato itself, I mean, just brief uh, history. I mean, started New Zealand, yep. the upcoming, and then obviously there's other locations, LA, I know there's one in New York. What's, uh, how did that go about as far as the history and where they're at now? The um, well, yeah, it was just in New Zealand for okay. a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, and only about three years ago did they really start branching out. Um, and I was, uh, I was, it was me and this other guy, um, they were tasked with opening studios. The first studio that was opened outside of uh, New Zealand was New York, and it was in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. So that's actually called Studio Two because Studio One is New Zealand. Um, then I was tasked with opening a studio in in Los Angeles. And the first studio that we opened in Los Angeles was in Echo Park, and it was at this in this like coach house in Echo Park at the back of a lady's house. It was pretty pretty low key. Man. Sounds like Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, but it was great, and it was you know what we could afford at the time, and you know what we had budget for, and um, and and I was like, Echo Park's a good location because lots of people and creative people live in Echo Park and Silver Lake. Um, and then now London opened up this year. It's actually opening up next month. So, yeah, we've got we've got we've got four studios now. And it was established. Serato came about what time? What, like what year was that? Uh, man, you know you're, you're putting me on the, putting the spot the there. I, I know that I, I'll tell you what. AJ and Steve, the founders of Serato, they were working in a garage in the North Shore of Auckland, um, and they they created the pitch and time algorithm. Is that what you wanted? To, right, yeah, because yeah. I mean, maybe a lot of people don't know, like it wasn't just the SL1, that was kind of its start, this plugin, right? It was yeah. only a plugin at the time? That's right, yeah. Okay. They were just, uh, what, they were just like computer guys. Um, Steve was a, is like a genius. Like he's just a very, very smart uh, computer programmer and he figured out an algorithm that was, that allowed you to, you know, adjust the speed of a, of a track or a file or, or you know, audio um, and retain the pitch. And it was all because he wanted to slow it down so we could figure out a baseline. He's also a bass player. Props, Steve. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> bass brothers. Connection, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then from there, I mean, that, I mean, how long between pitch and time, that plug-in, until the SL1, how long of a time frame was that? I think, like, I think this SL, SL1 was like 2003. Right. Um, but they did Scratch Studio before that. Oh, yeah. And Scratch Studio was a Pro Tools plug-in. So because pitch and time was a, was a, Pro Tools plugin, and yeah. that was picked up by Lucasfilm and all these guys, and they went to NAMM, and it was very, very successful. Still to this day, people like swear by Pitch and Time. Like you could, like all the top studio, well, not all of them, but a lot of top studios still require this. this it's just it does what it does very well. Right. Uh, and then they made Scratch Studio because they identified that the DJ market would 
was expanding and and they went to Nam and they and AJ was the guy AJ and Steve they were like this is this is what's this is what we should do right and then uh, I think um, that's when they they linked up with the lane a track um, and a track saw it and he was like this is cool yeah. um, and then eventually they needed to they they recognized immediately that like no one's bringing their Pro Tools rig to the club right and there was already <laughs> other systems out that were doing shit that like uh, Final Scratch was out I think. right I mean. Serato wasn't the first. Right, right. You know, they weren't the first. They were just, they just did it right. Yeah. I think at the time, that was my first debate when I first got into the digital MP3s. It was right. Before, I mean, after CDs, I was like, man, right. Final Scratch or, you know, Serato. And I just went with Serato. And right. Been there ever since. Uh, and, and, you know, the great thing is a lot of people did. And, um, and a lot of that was due to people like AM and A-Track and Jeff, Jazzy Jeff. Um, you know, these people like really are the reason why we are where we are, you know, what we're Serato, I, I can't claim, but Serato, <laughs> where Serato is, and, and, you know, other people, um, you know, is responsible, Sam Gribben, who now does Melodics. Okay. Have you heard Melodics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam Gribben was the CEO of Serato for a long time. He had a lot of influence. Um, you'd come over here and really build relationships with, you know, like the LA DJs. Right. Talk to me a little bit about any, like, misconceptions of Serato. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is, like, um, I think the the whole argument about uh, Scratch Live, you know, uh, not argument. It's not even. It's not an argument. It's just the the passion for Scratch Live, you know, and the history of why we did, why Serato DJ is what it is, and it's less. It's definitely like less loud, uh, you know, and and and, and you know, it's, it does come up still, but it's not what it was when I came on. I came on at Serato in 2012, and 2012 was like a big. A big year for the company because it was it was trans it was um, migrating from Scratch Live into the Serato DJ uh, code base, um, and it was very it's a very tough time for the company. It was and and in a lot of ways the whole company like what where it's at now is is shaped because of that transition. You know, it was a big big move for the com- the company, um, and it was it was a hard decision. And I know that no one, no one really wanted that to happen if they could avoid it. But at the time, we had like Serato Scratch Live, Itch, Intro, and Serato DJ. There's four different like code bases, right? If anyone knows anything about computer programming, that's too much. <laughs> when, you know, you could have it all in one or two code bases. So they decided to merge everything that they learned and have everything come from Serato DJ. And that way, they could support everything and put all the development into one thing which would speed up development. It would create bugs getting fixed quicker and allow us to innovate faster and uh, support more stuff. So there would be the same and more uniform user experience across all these different platforms, which is really important. And we could work with companies that we hadn't worked with before, like Pioneer, you know, like um, Pioneer was obviously a very important relationship for Serato as much as Rain, you know, in a lot of ways and, you know, uh, Newmark and, um, you know all these all, all, all of our all of our companies that we work with are very important relationships but if we were just to only make one with one one like only make Rain and Serato I mean Serato would be in a different situation right now and you know and I think um, I think you know as a company from a small company from New Zealand you know you have to make important decisions like that and and that was a very important decision to make for the future of Serato and, and I think that this, there was the right decision to make and I don't know I mean I've used, I've, I, like I said, I, work, I came in then and I've worked with Serato DJ and I've worked with, from a scratch, as a Scratch Live user who was a very passionate Scratch Live user 
who spent my you know hard-earned money on a 57 and my you know the 900 dollars it cost to get that first sl1 i've done all that as a customer and i've gone all the way through and when i came in there i was heartbroken to hear that scratch live was going to go away and i had my own doubts about it but when um you know at the the, the great thing was is that i had the perspective from the working as a as you know at the company and seeing the decisions and and and, and recognizing that it was just going to be a matter of time before we had it like up to speed and now I can comfortably say that like Serato DJ is, for me, it's like infinitely better than Serato Scratch Live with the exception of not having the bridge, but there's so many things you can do with, with Serato DJ that like I could never have done, done with, with Scratch Live. So that, yeah. No, and I appreciate you explaining that, you know what I mean? Because I mean, I still see it today, you know, people, you know, DJs, they open their laptop and there it is, Scratch Live, you know, because sure, yeah. it's just the solid, obviously the solid program that works and it's been working and that's really cool that you explored that opened it up you know and i mean like i think this is kind of a second part to your question but you said you know like what are some of the misconceptions about serato right and i think the biggest mix misconception if you take it away from scratch live thing um it's actually that serato is a huge like corporation i think people think that the influence of serato around the world is, is quite profound but the reality is Serato is like 150, 160 employees globally. And like my girlfriend works at a, at a clothing company that employs like 500 people and they got stores in North America alone. Yep, Serato is like a, I mean, you got everyone around the world kind of, well, I, not, maybe not everyone around the world, but a lot of places in the world know what Serato is. You know, it's pop culture, you know? And, and it's for a company that is so small, it's kind of crazy, you know? but. The greatest thing about it being such a small company is it's like a company that's like run and managed and uh, the, the decisions are made by people that DJ and love DJ culture and really understand it. And, and, and you know, like it, it comes through, like hopefully, I mean, hopefully it translates, but I mean, it, it definitely does to me, you know, if you, if you get it, you get it, you know, like, you know that, you know, when we like with the, we do these from the studio videos, right? And that was like something that I did because I set up a GoPro when my homie Morse code came over to the studio on Echo Park and I just like filmed him scratching like a skateboard video style for like five minutes. And I was like, yeah, let's just put it on the internet and see what happens. And then luckily the guys in marketing were like, hey, this is cool. Like this actually did really well on Facebook. We've got some good numbers here. Can you do another one? And we're like, yeah, let me, you let me go. You know what <laughs> I mean? And now it's like, we actually have a series of yeah. things. And, and I feel like uh, what started as like that intimate, DJ to DJ thing where you just want to like flex a little bit because you learned something or you made a beat and you want to cut over it, that feeling, that excitement, um, that is everything that is about, that we have about DJing is a shared experience and that's something that we get to do as in marketing as a, you know, as an artist relations guy for Serato, we get to have those feelings and capture those moments um, and, you know, and, and share it, you know, yeah. it's like so dope. And that says a lot about the company as well, Serato. You know, that's right. that's pretty cool um, as far as them embracing, you know, the culture and the and the future of everything. Obviously, you can't spill a lot of the beans, but as far as the future of Serato, I mean, I know there's obviously we're in a controller-based world now too. Like, what yeah. kind of things can you maybe say about not just Serato but the future of DJing? Where do you see that going? Well, I mean, like DJing's an interesting place right now because you've got like, uh, I mean, popular music is played by DJs and made by people that DJ, right? Like Calvin Harris is a DJ. Um, you know, if you look at the top 40, right? I mean, we did this recently at, for, for work, actually. We were like, 
Oh, let's have a look at the top 40, like top songs in Spotify and see if there's any Serato relation with them. And I was like, okay, cool. They, they got me to do this. And I looked at like the top songs on, on Spotify. And I was like, oh yeah, Calvin Harris. Yeah, okay, he doesn't use Serato, fine. But, you know, The Weeknd, I know Mano, Million Dollar Mano is his DJ, uses Serato. Justin Bieber, his DJ uses Serato. DJ Snake, he uses Serato. Right. Uh, Dylan Francis, he uses Serato. Diplo used to use Serato a lot, still does maybe from time to time. But he was actually very important to the like success of Serato also. You know, a lot of these people, you know, like they're all Serato. They have a connection, you know. And it's like, wow, like who knew? You know what I mean? Like when you think about it, it's really one step away. You know, A-Track, Kanye West. Kanye West gave us the biggest shout out of all yeah. time, you know. ASAP, <laughs> Rocky, you know, we've got a lot of, we've, got, we've, we've been very fortunate. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, these people, they use it. They have a connection to it in some way or another. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I'm all about, you know, the future and just moving that way forward and stuff. But I, I'm not going to lie that at first I was a little uneasy about the pyro. Oh, yeah, yeah, for pyro, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. pyro is pretty bloody good. Yeah, like. it's really, it's <laughs> almost too good, you know? Because yeah. I, I remember I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and he was telling me this whole new uh, platform where like the, the music that's being played at like the retail stores. It's a playlist, but based on like how much the the cash registers are flowing, if somehow it sees that and and then the music will pick up because it has a feeling that it knows that there's more people in the in Oh the, wow. Yeah. So and then the pyro came out and I was like, holy shit. But yo, you know, no one's gonna go up to a club and wait and like look at a iPad. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, dude, like and I think that's an important thing. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question uh, in two parts. Pyro is a consumer product, right? right? It's for people that don't really DJ. Right. But coincidentally, it's never really been that successful with them. Mm -hmm. uh, Pyro has actually been more successful with DJs that DJ. Because they're like, you know what? I need to go. I need to play something at a wedding. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. It's going like, to seamlessly mix it. I don't have to DJ. It was another tool. Yeah. It's a tool. Dude. Yeah. And you know, for, for people like, oh, you know, like I want to do music consulting, but I don't want to actually have to DJ at the, at the clothing store for eight hours. Pyro's my guy. Like, right. I'm gonna put, I'll get that check. I'll curate the play playlist. Give me the, like, give me the money, and I'll just get the the, the iPad to do it. <laughs> so that's dope. Yeah. But um, just going back to what you were saying, what is the future, DJ? No one's like, no one's gonna go and see an iPad. No one's gonna see an algorithm. Algorithms are getting crazier and crazier and crazier. But nobody wants like the, the we're we're due for like a revolution, a cultural revolution, where people want to get away from like digital technology. We're so in it right now. It's like peak, right? It's like tipping point like digital technology. Mm -hmm. And when you think about like what, like all I can think about is like maybe in the 90s when everyone was wearing like Nike and, and everyone was like really into tech, everything. And then all of a sudden Kurt Cobain comes out and wears like flannel shirts and Chuck Taylors that are five years too old and like holes in them. And then everyone picks up a guitar, totally turns their back on anything like, you know, branded and is like buying skate shoes from, you know, the smallest company and everything's independent again. It's bound to happen, man. As yeah. everything goes in cycles and I think we're just due for that again. Yeah. But you know, DJs need to understand that like, what are you doing up there? Like, I mean, if you're just playing songs, like, is that it? Like, like you're not cutting, you're not doing a juggle, you, that's fine. But what are you doing that's special? Like, are you talking to your crowd? Like, I've really recently embraced talking to a crowd. Like, I'm not really a confident speaker. At, at, like, I'm not an MC yet, by any means, but I'm like, you know, I need to really, I need to engage my audience. How am I gonna do that? I gotta talk to them. It's really simple. I gotta pick up a microphone and I gotta say, what's up, club? What's up, city? What's up, y'all? Like, whatever. Say something. Like, let them know, hey, I'm here. What's up? You know, this is my this is the crew. We're here. We're gonna be doing this. 
all night. Like yeah. we're gonna be here till three a.m. or whatever. You know, like just say some facts. Like it's just repeat what is actually happening. And right. the human voice. I mean, like look at it. The preachers. Look at it. Like any kind of ceremonial thing always has a an MC of some sort of a pivotal person, and they are talking to you, and everybody is paying attention to that person, and they're waiting to to be spoken to. They want to hear. You've got their attention. Say something that's important. Make them feel good. You know, say, tell them a fact. Give them something. You know, like tell them what to do. I mean, I'm not really much of the tell them what to do thing. I'm more of like, hey, let's celebrate. Let's. There's some. There's a reason we're all here, and it's because we love music or we love this song. And you know, we love this city, and we're. It's Sunday or it's Friday or you know what I mean. Like it's like it's, yeah. let's motivate people. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. I know a lot of people. It's kind of uncomfortable sometimes, I guess, for the whole even hearing your voice, right? Oh, like, yeah. You know, but I think social media has helped with that too, as far as you know, video and everything like that. But yeah, I, I totally 100% agree. Anything that you can to go just a little more to connect with that audience or your night, like it's it's always a plus. Yeah, shit. If you don't want to talk at all, just get your sample banks loaded up with some shit, you know, yeah. or, or get somebody who does do that and 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 work on a routine with them, so that. Like they know that at this song, you're going to give them eight bars to say something dope. Like every DJ should know that is DJing. You know what I mean? Like that is, that is the, the part of it. And, and any DJ said, if you're going to play at a festival, you know, like people bring out people. Yeah, bring out your boys. Bring out your, you know, your, your homegirls that like singing or your, or your friends that dance. And like, let's put on a show. Like DJing should not be anything less than a performance. It's a. Uh, it's like, you know, we, why do you go see a band? You know, you want to hear them kick ass and jump around stage. So why, don't a, why doesn't a DJ do that? You know, like people hate on Steve Aoki, man. I, I give him props. The dude knows how to put on a show. Whether he's spraying you with champagne, throwing a cake, he's still like engaged, you know? And I think like you can't really hate on that. You can hate on maybe you don't like his music or you don't think he's a good DJ, but you cannot hate on the fact that he's putting on a show. Yeah, hell yeah. 100% agree. Um... I mean, your time in your career and also with Serato, who are some of uh, your most like favorite people that you've come across or had the opportunity to work with? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I talk about A-Track a lot and it's just because he's like, he was a, he, I think a lot of people are really inspired by that guy because uh, I think, um, I think, I mean, I was born in the 80s and well, I guess for me specifically because he's Canadian, right? So that's obviously a thing. Any, I mean, I'm, I'm as patriotic as any American about Canada. So, you know what I mean? Like, I get stoked. And, um, and, and my mom's Canadian. So when I was a kid and I lived, grew up in New Zealand and I saw a Canadian kid that was a, like a year younger than me winning a championship. <laughs> and I was like, this guy, this guy's dope. And he's from like where my mom's from. I was like, I can go there and I can be like that. Or I, I just felt all of a sudden like there was like a reason for me to get doing something. And I, I think that, that, um, that, you know, the, the hip hop culture for us is our rock and roll you know it's like yeah our, for sure it's our thing that came out of our generation that is different and it's something that we all identify with because it speaks to us on so many different sub subliminal levels you know like i was talking i think we were talking at the restaurant earlier about like when i went to new york and all of a sudden everything clicked and i was like oh man hip-hop is everything like hip-hop is everything because new york has everybody and everybody can relate to rap music because it's got a bit of everybody's culture you know and it, it's all about that mix mashing of everything it's right. jamaican culture hip-hop culture is is rock music and psychedelic music and it's funk and it's soul and it's latin music and it's electronic music from germany and you know what i mean like what that's crazy you know and and then you put it all together and you get some guy that's raps or sing on it and you got you got hip-hop it's like, <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, you're in a fortunate place, man. It's really cool that you're still continuing to do what you love and you're surrounded by so many creatives and inspirational people and just meeting all these people. It's truly awesome, man. It's really, really dope. Yeah. I I mean, I'm blessed. I'm very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. How do you personally juggle your personal career? You know, uh, DJ Cut Corners, the music that you make, Mm -hmm. uh, Live Eagle Project with Serato. Because me personally, I know a lot of other guys that like, balance is hard. I mean, it's tough, you know, like you mentioned some stuff, you got to really be focused and, and, and um, really want it, you know. Um, so how do you personally juggle those things? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always a challenge, man. It's part of growing up um, and, and learning like what you can and can't, can't commit to. And yeah, there's definitely been some sacrifice on both sides. Like, um, I mean, yeah, like I, I quit Serato, right? Like right. I quit because I was like, you know, I'm not really fulfilling this other part of me that is really important to me. I felt like kind of like I'd lost a part of myself by moving back to New Zealand um, because I'd spent so much time building it in Canada. And then I moved back to Canada and I instantly started getting kind of back into my groove and I was able to work with Marvel and on, on this right. li- live evil stuff. And, um, and it really comes down to just knowing when to say enough's enough or whatever, knowing when to stop and cut off. And, um, and it's the same with like, the relationships in your life, you know, your family and your and your loved ones. It's knowing like, okay, this is your time. Like, I gotta, I gotta put everything aside and like really focus on that. And uh, and and, and you know, it, music is like a music is sacred, man. For for me, and I'm sure for you and uh, DJing, it's even the same with DJing, man. Like um, when I DJed for like income. And I really relied on it, and I didn't just, I, I, I know, like now I can, I could work with Serato, and I wouldn't have to rely on the income from DJing. So I, I get the ability to kind of like just take the stuff that I want, uh, and often that's not even paid. You know, like I don't even ask for money. I don't care. It's like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this because I really want to do it, and I'd rather play at a small club than a big bottle service or festival or something, um, because I get to play what I want to play, and there's there's like it's not like a it's not a it's not trying to be nasty or elitist. It's just knowing like who you are, what makes you happy, and how much t- what you want to like sacrifice, right? And because I have a job that pays me money, and it's also aligned with what I love, which I'm very, very happy about. But I definitely conscientiously made a decision to to do that and to align myself in that way. Um, I still have now like sacrificed like obviously opportunities to, for DJ gigs because I've got to go do stuff with Serato or or whatever but and there's no and it's not a hard compromise but it's still a compromise in the sense you know like i it was one year i was going to play bass's barbecue and i couldn't i had to go and do work for serato wasn't wasn't like i was really pissed right but i was like oh man you know like i really like that was a huge opportunity for me fortunately i got to play other success, uh, subsequent you know barbecues or whatever but right. the thing is is that it's like you just have to make sure that at the end of the day when you when you finish work you know, you you don't lose sight of your goal, your personal goals, you know, and whatever those are, whether it's, fuck, man, I mean, if, if you're into going to the gym, like, get your gym time in or whatever, you know, and you go for your run or your swim or you play your game of baseball or, or whatever it is, you know, like, it's important to have, like, a bunch of different things, you know, and, I, and I, I think it's just, you need to figure out how much you can commit. And I don't really, like, I don't sweat, like, um, I don't sweat the music stuff, like, if I don't, make a number one hit before I die, that's not really going to bother me. You know what I mean? I'd rather just make good music and that I care about, that I'm proud of. Right. And it, whatever it is, will be. But I got my job and I got to do that to the best of my ability. And I'll do that. And then 
the music stuff is only for me. You know, it's kind of more personal that way. Right. Killing it. It stays pure like that, too. Yeah. Why would you uh, maybe suggest uh, producers or just music enthusiasts in general explore or learn more about Serato, Serato DJ or anything else? Right. Well, we, I mean, coincidentally, we just, <laughs> this is going to sound like a plug, but, and it totally is. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, here we it's go. Over here. Um, Serato Sample is like the thing, right? Okay. That's the thing that's a really big focus for us. And um, man, anyone can use sample, like, and not, and I'm not, not like in a pyro way, but say, you know, I mean, I think we would, I, I have a question, you know, I think I asked you earlier, like, do you think that it's really important that DJs produce music? Right. And you said, Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, how many DJs are getting booked just because they're DJs nowadays? Yeah, yeah. It's getting less and less, man. You got to make some beats, you know? Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. But um, Sample is like really DJ-focused production tools. So even if you don't DJ, you can still use it. But, you know, you can... DJ, DJing is so based around samples and, and, and taking parts of other music. Hip-hop is like that too. Everything. Dance. Every, every dance music is kind of like that. Like house music, you know, like... Taking disco breaks on 808s and 909s underneath, or whatever, or vocal samples, and then, and um, and and so we sample all the time with different things. You throw something into the Serato sample, and it's got cue points. It's a very familiar, like layout. Everyone knows what a, what a waveform looks like, and you can interact with it like a DJ would, without having to kind of like actually chop audio and like learn how to use a DAW so much. Um, like Ableton or it's, right. it's less intimidating you know right because at the end of the day you get a hot loop or you get a hot like little sequence of a sample throw some drums on it throw a bass line on it get someone to sing on it or rap on it or, or cut on it or whatever or remix something or throw an acapella on it yeah. you got you got something you can play that at the club that's awesome yeah I know a lot of people get mad like oh, everyone's a DJ but honestly something like this like if everyone was a producer I kind of think that that's a really cool thing you know yeah. what I mean because Dude. it's it's I mean, great. kids are making music like 16 years old, laptop in the room. Like, it's nuts. Bangers, and too. Bangers. That's right, man. It's that's nuts. it. Yeah, and it's not hard to make a banger, man. Right. It doesn't take a lot. And uh, going back to what I said, that band that had the bass line, the drum, and the, the chanting, that's all you need. And, and at the end of the day, man, DJing is like, that's the great thing about Strata. Strata was actually invented for the fact that you don't have to wait six months to press a record. You know what I mean? Like, I made records back in the day, and I had to wait. I had to get a master. I had to wait to I could play my song in a club because right. I, can, I wouldn't go up there playing off a mini disc player and this because I really had to, but you can DJ that and it was kind of whack. Serato was played so you could make a remix, play it out that night. You got that heat, man, play it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that it's not exclusively Serato that made it happen, but you, you saw a lot of genres and I think like Mubaton was kind of like one of those things that happened. For you sure. know, Biley Funk, a lot of the mashup stuff even trap music, like a lot of the music, twerk music, like DJ edits, like all these things have kind of like morphed into things from this, like things like the hollerboard and Diplo, you know, like these guys just finding different cultures and having little sounds and then throwing them together and like Ableton and then being able to play them out. Like that's how that, that's how culture and genres have come out of, you know, this modern technology. And Serato has been part of that, you know, like, right. and, and that's hopefully where Sample fits into that. And I think that everyone should try and make music, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and, and through that, we'll get different sounds. And if it doesn't sound like anything else, that's great because then it's your shit, you know? Yeah. And it's your sound. Yeah. And what I love about it too, like it's because it, it can be standalone as well. When I, when I tried with the, played with the beta version, um, I mean, when you think about 
this going back to grade school, I mean, you get a clarinet or something like that. But if imagine if like these young kids had these, you know, Serato sample, mm. like that can be nuts. If you imagine the shit that they come up with, like, oh, man. that's crazy to me when I think like that. You know what I mean? Um, but that's super awesome. Uh, DJ Cut Corners, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. You seem like a very awesome dude. Uh, very focused, very disciplined. And what I noticed about you also, it's it seems like uh, you're a man of uh, chess, not checkers. It always seems like you have a few steps ahead. You know, would you agree on that? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. very, very nice of you to have me and very nice. <laughs> That's a huge compliment. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, to be honest, I don't know how to play chess. So, uh. Well, you know, like, even <laughs> like, you know, I, you say, like, here I am, I'm in Serato, I'm a DJ, but what happens if I lose my hand if I'm like, who the fuck says that? Like, that's someone, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I'm, like I told you earlier, we were having dinner, like, I'm a real observant, like, kind of weird observant, but, you know, I pick up those little things and, uh, Nonetheless, man, great quality, great, great trait. Uh, if, how can we keep up with DJ Cut Corners or um, upcoming information and news with Serato? If you want to link us up, like, yeah, I mean, well, the best place to check those out. Definitely, if if you're looking for Serato info, like, you know, we post everything on our social medias and stuff. It's just all Serato at Serato. That's right. Um, and then, you know, um, you're not going to hear much from Serato through my personal channels. That's kind of just like, yeah, me stuff. Uh, and I'm at Cut Corners. That's K-U-T and then corners with a C. So right yeah. on. Well, yeah. I'm going to turn these mics off so I can find out what's really coming out. And, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you for checking out this episode of On Mindset. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Let me know what you think. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We will be back next time with another creative guest right here on Mindset.